Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome everyone, you're listening to the Forza Italian Football Podcast, I'm Connell Shaw with my guests, my experts, bringing you all the latest news from Serie A and Italian football and uh, well, what a second week we have ladies and gentlemen, 32 goals across the peninsula, another Juventus win, comical appearance from AC Milan, Pabletti double, a whole bunch of crazy transfer twists and perhaps the most important is a splendid Marco Borriello goal. Man is just on fire. So as ever, let's get to tonight's guests, uh, all familiar names. Starting off with your lovable Aussie. Don't tease him about his poor choice in football teams or he may swear at you. It's Nicholas Carroll. Hello everyone. Let's uh, not talk about Inter just yet, but it's uh, been another exciting week. Quite good for the neutral, I guess. Another 32 goals, which is um, it's not saying too much for the Serie A defence this season. So uh, there's a lot of improvement to go there, but... Excited to be on again. Have you got your Pringles and wine in hand? I have bought the Pringles back. Why? <laughs> we also have a figure that you've missed very dearly. He's been busy living his playboy lifestyle, but it's Vieri Capretta. Hey everyone, lovely to be back. I've missed this uh, podcast myself. And Nick has mentioned 32 goals, but there's one that's more important than the others. And Carlos Sanchez scored it. It's very important because Fiorentina were celebrating their 90th birthday. And to do that without winning would have been really awkward. Yes, they were. And what a birthday to celebrate. Best of all, Vietti, you were there. I was there indeed. And I must say, it was impressive. It was impressive. It really was. There were a lot of people. The ticket prices were relatively cheap. Uh, All the money has gone towards um, helping out those affected by the earthquake in central Italy. And because of the earthquake, the president decided to reduce the celebrations slightly and just have a little get-together uh, after the game against Kievo on Sunday night to just celebrate with the fans, but mainly with all the past legends of the club that came over specifically on the night. And I have to say, really well done, and 
you know, happy birthday, Fiorentina. Was very well done. 90 years. You got a favourite part of the night, Pierre? Was it waiting outside the stadium for hours and hours? At the Artemio Franchi, something that doesn't happen very often is it took forever to get in, especially in the Maratona sector where I was sat. And yeah, that is, that is a shame because I missed out some, some fun moments before the game actually begins. But I got there on time to see the kickoff and I was very impressed during the game by Carlos Sanchez, this uh, Colombian, the rock that came from Aston Villa, uh, a bit unknown, a bit of a mysterious character until he started this game brilliantly. And added defender, basically, box-to-box midfielder. He did really well, and he scored the decisive goal. And then afterwards, obviously, it was all a big celebration. And there were some players there, you know, who won the league with Fiorentina back in 1956. And that was impressive in itself, to see them standing there in the middle of the stadium to get the fans' joy. So, yeah, that was my favorite part of the night was probably when they called out some of the players that made me support Fiorentina. Uh, so I'm thinking of someone like Luca Toni. You know, I was only 12 when he scored those 31 goals. So that's when you really fall in love with uh, with the beautiful game and with Fiorentina. And, you know, to see him on the pitch again was really fantastic. Adrian Mutu, Mati Jorgensen, a beautiful night. Only, the only thing that really, it didn't even mar it, in fact. But there was a slight letdown in the fact that numerous players got injured. All three, in fact, of... Paddle Souza's substitutions were used during that game due to injuries. First, you had Matias Vecino going off in almost just eight minutes into the game. Then afterwards, you had Ciprian Tatarasano. He had a blow to his head, which is probably the most dangerous of all, only for Letereni to come on for his place. And then the goal scorer, Carlos Sanchez, had to go off. It wasn't the most fortunate of the evenings for Fiorentina. For start, the injuries, uh, and then the fact that the game was you know, quite close in the end against Kiev. Fiorentina should have won that game earlier. But yeah, 1-0 in the end and the injuries. Carlos Sanchez is nothing, apparently. Absolutely nothing. He was just tired. He hasn't played many games. And coming from Aston Villa, he needs some time to get his um, fitness back. Uh, What's quite bad is seemed to be Tatarisanus because he basically got a small concussion. So he might be out for the international break. He's got two weeks to recover, so he'll probably be in goal for Fiorentina's next game. Uh, Vecino is is all to find out. He still needs some tests. But going back to Tatarusano, I think uh, Lezzarini coming on for him was quite impressive. I don't know what you thought about it, Connell and Nick. Well, Nick, as you were, was still too busy crying about Inter losing to Kiev. I mean, who would imagine that a team would have scored against them after all this time? Uh, but I happened to watch the game, of course, and Lesserani was, I think, even a Sebastian Frey, another player that was there in the celebrations, even said he was decisive, and he was. Kievo almost had a chance to equalise the game, and Lesserani was practically third choice, could even be second choice now, ahead of Dragovsky. He came on and saved the game, essentially. He kept Fiorentina in it, and you could say he gave them the win. And he's not quite that, coming from the Primavera team. I think what what was really impressive is how easily he went out on those high balls, uh, giving you know security to the whole defense, confidence to, the, to his teammates. Uh, that that was really important for someone who is obviously younger than most of, of the defenders and not the first choice keeper. So that was really crucial. Do you see him as a potential starter in the future? I think I think he's got he's not worse 
than Tatarusanu. Obviously, got less experience and authority, but that's about it. Uh, so he could. I mean, if if Tata plays for Fiorentina, I could see Letterini playing for Fiorentina as well. I do think that Fiorentina needs a better keeper overall. Anyway, you know, I'm thinking, as you mentioned earlier, Sebastian Frey or someone else who was there at the celebrations. Toldo, you know, really keepers of an international level that guarantee, you know, 10, 15 points a year to the team. I don't think Tatarusano and Lazzarini are fine, but they're nothing special. And I don't think Lazzarini will develop into anything a lot better than what he is right now. He's definitely someone you can count on if you need to. Well, there's always Benoit Costil from Stadarne. I'll tell you one thing about Costil. Apparently, it's literally just rumors. Apparently, Corvino says that literally all invented. Uh, such a shame. He's almost a, a national... National stage keeper, only kept up by Steve Mandanda and Hugo Luis. Someone like that, someone or who will develop into into someone important within you know a couple of years. Exactly, and as you already mentioned, Lazzarini wasn't the only star in that game. Another diamond in the rough that we've already spoken about was Carlos Sanchez. Just a week after he was slated on the podcast by our very own Liam Stewart. He's gone and proved all his doubters wrong. Shaking off his Aston Villa past. I have to say that when uh, when we first uh, when Fiorentina first signed Carlos Sanchez, I only heard bad things about him. But he was really impressive uh, last night. He was everywhere, basically another defender, and he was really good going forward as well. Obviously, he scored, but he was basically another defender, and he was everywhere on the pitch. So positively impressed. Of course, it's not all perfect news. We've had to have a very sad goodbye to Giuseppe Dossi. Uh, it was inevitable with all his injuries, but. On the sentimental side, it's certainly sad to see him go. It is because of what he did against Juventus, but it seemed he had to go. Of course, it's sad to think that had he not been injured by the Livorno defender, could have gone on to had a fantastic career. Though slightly dulling the pain, is we've got rumours of a, a phenomenal return. Stevan Jovetic might be coming back to Fiorentina. Well, that would be uh, incredible considering how much he earns. It's probably the best decision for him because he needs uh, the right support around him and it's a really good way for Fiorentina to keep the fans happy to get a big name in relatively big name and hopefully he'll be able to show some at least some glimpses of his of the quality he he promised in his first years at Fiorentina but still hasn't been able to deliver overall that that's what was going to be my question obviously at Inter he well I mean in some ways he wasn't given the chance to with the playing time but do you think there's actually a chance that he can return to the former glory some might say, uh, that he had at Fiorentina. Well, I think the issue is that seen from outside, he, he looks like a player that had some former glory. But the reality is, even at Fiorentina, for many games, he was uh, absent for whatever reason. He never had that consistency in a, in a full season. Obviously, moments of brilliance like two goals against uh, Liverpool and Bayern Munich in the Champions League 2009-2010, which obviously put him amongst Fiorentina's elite strikers historically. But he hasn't delivered consistently ever, I don't think, in his career. Not even at Fiorentina. Could this be his last big chance to prove himself? Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, his consistency has always been a concern. So is that, is, is that the return you kind of want? Or would you rather be outlaying any of those wages to some, anyone else that might be available? But who, who would you buy? For no money. Oh, I you know? That's the thing. We, it's looking like we get him on loan for free. So in that case you'll take him, you know? But that, that's the thing. 
really is no one unless you're willing to pay out big wages. As Vieri said, you're getting him for free. It's possibly the best type of transfer that you could take. At least more consistent in terms roughly along the same lines as Giuseppe Rossi. Yeah, I guess so. It's uh, it's a good thing for the fans, I think, definitely for Fiorentina. Um, obviously, he hasn't done the job at Inter, so it's been a bit disappointing for for me as a fan. I, I definitely think he's he's always had the potential. We've, I mean, everyone who's seen him play knows that he can definitely provide that bit of brilliance in small glimpses, but it's uh, that consistency is the key. So um, hopefully, he can bring it back. I think it'll be good for Serie A and for obviously for Fiorentina. Is it fair to say though that he didn't deliver Inter too much? He delivered, it's just injuries that marred him. He still scored six goals in 26 games. One of your brightest attackers alongside Jajic, arguably. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing with it. I mean, that's why I did say that, you know, he, in some ways he wasn't really given the opportunity to show any consistency. There was those minor injuries and then, well, I mean, let's be honest, there was some few weeks there where there wasn't really much explanation at all. So there are a lot of question marks with him, I think. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It's a it's a bit of a it's a I guess normally it wouldn't be a risk to outlay any funds, but as you said, it is uh, it comes free in some sense to Fiorentina. But it's at least a risk that fans, or most fans, will be pleased to see. There's been talks of how awkward it might be for him to return, but I'm sure the majority of the fan base will be happy. Vieri would agree with me. Of course, Inter have their own uh, pending Jovetic's departure, own new number ten coming in, but we'll get to that later because. Still on Fiorentina, Rossi going, possibly having Jovtic coming back. Got another piece of Dubas news, which uh, could be that Chelsea won't decide Marcos Alonso for almost 25 million euros. Are they just crazy, or is it the football market? Just um, take it, take it, man. Don't question it. No, I think that it's it's that much of a sum because um, I've noticed in the past five years, eight years. That kind of position, a left back, a right back, and wing backs in general, full backs and wing backs, is just this generation of footballers in Europe aren't very good at it. Yeah, I mean, come on, we have got Nagatomo. So, would you take it in Ranbiere? Two days left of the transfer market. Practically hard to pull in another another left back for Fiorentina. You have got Milic who's come in. Would you take that money and run if it's the only chance that you're going to get to sell Alonso for such a price? Clearly, Fiorentina are in a position to say, we want more money or we'll keep him. So they're saying no. They would answer no. They wouldn't take the money. But personally, I have to say, I would have taken the money for sure had I still had a couple of weeks to find another player. Two days left. You wouldn't take the gamble and wait until January? Perhaps use Milic in a left-back position right now and buy a, a better player in the next transfer window? Even if you buy someone in January, nine times out of ten, it's too late to save the season. You know, Fiorentina yeah, could end up... I think we're forgetting yeah. a, a little person called uh, Yuto Nagatomo. Oh, no, he's long forgotten. <laughs> and, he's probably, he, and he's probably Inter's starter as well, on the left. Yeah, we, we're not going to rob you of your richest players, please. But I think, I think overall, it's, uh, it's a lot of money for someone like Alonso. But it's it's the market, and because it's the final days, uh, he'll be even more expensive. I think my favourite thing about the whole situation isn't the fact that somebody's willing to almost pay thirty million for Marcos Alonso. It's the fact that the endless amounts of Chelsea Twitter accounts. My favourite tweet that I saw today is, well, "It's unbelievable that you guys obviously haven't watched Alonso since he left for Syria. He's just been unbelievable." 
What's going on there? I think he's been better than most players in his position. The thing is, there's not he's, many it, that... It's agreeable that he's one of the best. I wouldn't say the best, but one of the best in his position in the league. But does that really say much? His only considerable competition in that position could be put down to Fauzi Gulam and potentially the Sigil, who hasn't even performed in recent seasons. Ah, uh, you're forgetting the Juve ones. <sighs> But both we don't Evra, talk about that. Both Evra and Alexandro are better than him. Evra and Alexandro, but they they've bought in big names from other leagues. These are more grown talents. Gulam wasn't that big of a name when he was at Sanetian. And Alonso, he came in from Bolton. Not many people knew him until he went on loan to Sunderland. Well, yeah. So it doesn't really say much when you're up against Big name players that have been brought in. Well, yeah, which is why it's a bit weird that they're spending that much money for Alonso. The thing is, the thing is, with two days left in the transfer window and in a position where there's not many good players, even someone like Alonso might cost that much. Let's put yourself in Chelsea's boots now. Is it even going to be a start? He would challenge Espedicueta for his spot. Espedicueta would probably move to the right and challenge Ivanovic. Alonso, do you see him being a starter at a team like Chelsea, a team that want to challenge again for the title? Considering on how he's done when he's been on loan at Sunderland from Fiorentina and how he performed before he came to the club. To be honest, I think as a, def- as a central defender, Conte wants to play Ivanovic as a central defender, so he's looking for someone like Alonso so he can uh, move as Piliqueta to the right and play Alonso on the left and have that Ivanovic as a centre-back. But... Uh, Otherwise, I can't really see Alonso starting for Chelsea, no. Chelsea are just full of crazy transfer rumours these days. Another team, it's not just Fiorentina, it's from uh, everyone's favourite young centre-back, Alessio Romagnoli, or is it some English commentators like to call him, Roman Ganoli. It's also linked to Antonio Conte's side. In a rather odd fashion, Milan, this Milan have come out and publicly shamed them for it, refusing to sell the player and saying how they've turned down the bid. Unfortunately, it seems to be a trend nowadays among uh, some clubs, perhaps in an attempt to stay relevant. But is there any way that Romagnoli would have also fat in at Chelsea, in the current state that he's in, at least? I don't think so. It seems very odd. It all seems very odd. I guess it's that time of the year when you just get these rumours that go around and some of them true, some of them aren't. It just seems quite odd to me and it would be an awful thing for his career, especially if he's going to develop into the next uh, Azzurri defender for the next generation. Um, you know, I don't see him getting much playing time at Chelsea, so um, for him it definitely wouldn't make sense as a player. To be honest, it, it doesn't make sense for all parties for, for me, so it's, yeah, it's very odd. Would you not be kicking yourself right now, though, if you're Milan? After the... the... Absolute defensive masterclass that he pulled off at the weekend against Napoli. Well, maybe Chelsea's looking for a, a bit of a flexible player in to do some backup centre-back and keeping. So he might be the shot, given his performance. It was uh, quite a good dive on the line there. Well, what was he What was he doing there? Because that it, it amazes me how it's allowed. I know the rules have changed now, and you can only take a yellow card for it. But do you not think that he would deserve a red for that? I only remember a few years back, uh, even last year, when players would get a red card for handling the ball anywhere in the box. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, it I mean, it does look ridiculous, but I can kind of maybe see what he was doing. In the in the moment of the things when you're playing, I can see how instincts just kind of sometimes just come about. I remember, I'm, I'm not the tallest person, so I'll 
a couple of times that my hand just kind of came up when the ball was coming over me. It's, it happens. I think what was funny about Romagnoli's uh, handball compared to most of them on the goal line was that afterwards Napoli scored immediately. So the ref just thought, you know, instead of giving a penalty. When people told you at the start of the year that Milan could actually be fun and good this year, did you really expect a comedy roadshow? Whether or not they've picked up three points in the last two weeks, they've practically been a running gag. Yeah, that's why you Um, came to Montella. (laughs) As a neutral, how exciting is it to watch? It's a comedy of errors, but it's fantastic. Oh, it's amazing, but as you as you were saying, it's it doesn't speak at all for defence. You're getting lots of goals, and it's funny as it's funny as hell. But when you're a Milan fan, you're just oh, I would be yeah pulling my hair out. It's it's there's I don't I don't know what yeah there's no structure to what they're doing. It's just kind of it kind of reminds me of what uh, the kind of football I was playing in under nines. Just kind of go out there and just run and just do whatever the hell you want. I mean, the worst thing is that they're, they're teasing them. You you come back from 2-0 down. You have Nyang score, which he should have covered it more in his post, to be honest. But it was yeah. a good goal nonetheless. And then you have Suzo scoring a pretty amazing goal, in fairness. Whether he may be an average player or not, it was a good goal. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, I'm only kidding, guys. Come on. Let's just let them win. And you have all people, Nick. You must be taking glee from it. You must be delighted. Yeah, I don't want to be that kind of guy, but look, generally, from a Serie A point of view, Serie A does better when the Milan teams are doing better. So, you know, it's not the best thing to see in that respect. But, you know, I have some cousins back home in Melbourne that are AC Milan fans, so they're always giving it to me for into losing to Kievo or whatnot. So it's always nice to have some ammo of my own. But you haven't got much ammo left, Nick, when, when you get an absolute class stars like Montalivo getting called up to the national team. I, I don't no. understand. Not- no one quite has the words for his call-up. A lot of Milan players being called up to the national team, of course, although we will get to that in due time. Of course, to wrap all up in that Milan game, of course, they lost 4-2 to Napoli, as we said. Conceded two goals, Asko Diaz Milik, straight away. Two goals on his San Paolo debut, which, all well and good for him. Fantastic start. In fact, imagine scenes if he does go on to score more than Higuain. That would be amazing. It would be quite funny, actually. Milan are uh, dropping points. It's not going too well for them. If only, if only they had their ex-coach, Sinisa Mihailovic, who's managing Torino, who managed an astounding 5-1 win at the weekend against Bologna. And even before we get into that game, guys, I'm just going to say one name to you, which is... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Johar. Who would have guessed? Unbelievable. Of all the transfers that are going to happen, this one seems to have been parked out of her. It really is unbelievable, Nick. It's perhaps the most random transfer since Ravel Morrison stepped foot in Rome. It's simply unbelievable. Hard coming. Well, that's all Vieri saying. <laughs> I'll stop saying it's unbelievable. We all believe it. But it's, I think it's a really good sign uh, for Serie A that a team like Torino, that don't even play the Europa League, uh, can actually convince someone like Joe Hart, you know, starter for Manchester City for the past, what, five or six seasons at least, has won two premiership, has been in goal for England for the past at least three big tournaments. And, you know, he decides to accept an offer from a team like Torino. It shows, I think, Serie A is definitely on a rise, very slowly. Of course, he needs game time. And he knows he'll find it in a place like Torino. Great decision, I think. I definitely agree about the, um, for the Serie A. There's going to be a big spotlight in England for Joe Hart and where he's gone. So I think it's fantastic for, as you said, a club like Torino. Obviously, it's not, it's not the AC Milan or the Juventus. It's a, club, a little club like Torino. Of course, it's amazing that it attracted a team like Torino when he had options with Sutherland. Obviously, any healthy mind would choose to go to Turin over the lovely English North. But in terms of what he can be offered wage-wise, whether or not it's known whether Torino will pay his wage, it's unclear at the moment. But it's certainly a big step up in the league to land a player of such calibre. England number one international. Yeah, well, that's going to be the big question now, how they're going to get around the wages, because I I can't imagine some of the bigger clubs will struggle at the moment to fit that into the wage bill. So... Well, it could be an option, of course, where Manchester City are forced to pay the wages. At the same time, it's a big boost for them, a big boost for a team that want to hit Europa League qualification. And you could say, after their defensive woes that we did see in the past week where they lost 3-2 to Milan, of all teams, they're slightly taking a step up. Could you see a character of his taking control of that offence? While there may be language barriers that could prohibit him from doing so, 
taking control of that defence and making his own. Something that, while his gorgeous eyes are very controlling, something that Padelli can't do. I don't know. I, I think for something like that, the language... I mean, his his goalkeeping skills are unquestionable, obviously, so that's that, that'll definitely be an improvement in my eyes. But in terms of controlling the defence... Um, I think he can do that, but the the language is going to be a massive barrier, I think. So um, I'm not sure how Mihalovic will get around that. If um, I, don't, I, I have high doubts about his Italian skills, so whether they might, you know, change it to English. I know uh, Roma train in English, I believe. I heard a quote from Totti earlier this year. So, you know, maybe he might try something like that to to help him to help the defense but um yeah it's it'll it'll be a one to manage for sure Mahalovic has always been one of the words as we've seen in recent weeks that said Nikola Maximovic is dead to him so you know he might he might find his way around your heart it'd definitely be interesting to see such a big character join them and seems to be there seems to be a, a definitely a certain influx in English players coming into Serie A well going further back you can think of Beckham in recent years uh, Gascoigne, Paulins. There's never been a lot of English players abroad anywhere. So to see three or four in the past couple of seasons is quite a relevant number. But um, they've always had some difficulties in Serie A. As you, as you mentioned about Hart earlier, the language could be one of them. So it's, it's all to see really their impact. Is it more of a, an English problem that players from other countries seem to come in and do fine? It looks like mainly an English one because obviously we have South Americans doing well in Serie A um, constantly. We have, we've had a lot of Germans historically, uh, a few French people. You could argue the same about players, about Italian players going to the Premier League. And yes, doing well overall, but not doing as well as they have done in Serie A. So we'll see, for example, Simone Zaza, what he'll, he'll add to West Ham, really. So it might be English players going to Serie A and not delivering, but also players going the opposite direction. Maybe it's just the language. I think that, can, that is, really is an issue. Just a small note on him that you mentioned, Simone Zaza, in fact. Do you think he can make it at West Ham? Certainly interesting. I've been linked to Wolfsburg for months. It seemed like was either going to stay at Juventus or go to Wolfsburg. You know, I've known West Ham have signed him. Not quite the Carlos Bacca or like a death that they wanted. I think I think he can go all right there. He's that kind of hard grit kind of player. He does, you know, he puts in for the team. So um, in West Ham, their biggest thing with strikers has been consistency, and I I do think he's one that can at least take the pitch consistently. Touch wood, I guess. But, um, I think it can be good. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if the likes of Andy Carroll is fit, how he'll fit in amongst that. It's just a, a, ma- a matter for Stavon Bilic, how he kind of integrates that into a fully fit team. He's I definitely like. got the spirit and the, and the character to play in the Premier League, the kind of uh, aggressive attitude and tackling and giving defenders a, hard, uh, a really hard time, which doesn't come across too well in Serie A. But uh, he could do well in, in the Premier League. He's not got great numbers on scoring. He doesn't score very often. So if Bilic was looking for goals, I'd be surprised to see Zaza scoring more than possibly 8 to 10 goals. I'll tell you what he has got, though. He's got a mutual friend in both of yours, Angelo Bonner. Uh, <laughs> well, he does that. Yeah, maybe that'll help with the whole language barrier, having two Italian speakers, maybe some village will bring in some Italian lessons to assist. But no, it's good to see another Italian in the Premier League, hopefully playing some consistent football. So maybe we can catch up with Zaza one day. 
If you did have the chance to catch up with Zaza one day, Vieri, who would you choose? Would you choose Zaza, Bellotti, or Pavoletti? Actually, on a personal level, I would probably choose Zaza. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, no, Pavoletti what? is my favorite striker. What are you saying? We can cut this out. Hmm. Okay, let me rephrase that. Pretend you didn't hear anything. I love Pavoletti, so I definitely pick him to have a conversation with, and I'd pick him for any of my of my teams. I'd love to see him at Fiorentina. Obviously, he'll stay at Genoa, and you know he's just started off this season as he ended the old one. He is the Italian Jamie Vardy. He's a fantastic finisher. He's the Italian Lionel Messi. He's he's unbelievable. He did score two goals when Genoa. One three one against newly promoted Crotone. As you said, it seems he's going nowhere. He's linked to Fiorentina. He's linked to Napoli. Unfortunately, Genoa have come out and confirmed that they rejected a 15 million euro bid from Napoli. So it's a shame, but it's still a squad that he can perform. And it's just been fantastic. Very highest scoring Italian player this season? I think, by the looks of it, I mean, obviously it's quite easy to say Belotti. But I really think he might actually be the, the top Italian scorer this season. Uh, you know, if not the top scorer in Serie A. Just because I can't... See, he's really hard-working and I can't see him ever losing his place at Torino. So he'll always be the starter. He'll be well-served because Torino has, um, you know, a decent team behind him. So I think he'll he'll be the, the top one. But I think Pavoletti can do really well. And I have to say about the game in Crotone, he did score two goals, but he also missed a couple of easy uh, chances. So if he if he becomes even more deadly, then he'll start scoring a lot more goals. That's why I think he looks even more like Jamie Vardy. Vardy often misses easy goals. He scores a lot, but he also misses a lot. And I think Pavoletti is quite similar to that. Granted, at least a starting place in the Italian national team, especially with Giampiero Ventura now in charge of the team instead of Conte. At least ahead of players such as Edgar. You would put him, maybe Bellotti in attack. More merited than some of the players that are getting called up to that team. I think Pavoletti and Bellotti could both start for, for Ventura. Edgar obviously is not, uh, plays in a slightly different position. He's not really a number nine. Uh, he's more of an of a, you know, attacking partner. But Bellotti and Pavoletti have both been caught up. So has Eder and Pele. Well, of course, any team, Pavoletti, could score goals as long as he, he continues to score them and, as you said, becomes more prolific, doesn't miss these easy chances. Potentially could earn a move to a bigger team. But at the moment, Ventura should be happy to have him. Probably better than the other strikers that he has at his disposal. Certainly better than Eder. Not to pick sides, not to pick on Internet. Don't worry. Ventura would be happy, though, is if he has a win record like Juventus, because in other games, Juve refused to lose again, winning once more through a goal through Sami Kadira, this time against Lazio, another pretty solid performance on Bianconeri, which uh, can only worry other teams, and quite frankly, it's quite disappointing. There's one point where you actually want to see Juventus lose, unless, of course, you are a Juventus fan. And, of course, it didn't really help things that Felipe Anderson was missing that game. In fact, Come to think of it, he's been missing over the past year now, Vieri. I'm desperate. He's just completely gone, I think, uh, psychologically. He's not the same player. He's not got that confidence. He doesn't even try difficult things, a dribble, a shot. Uh, and I really don't know what they can do to get him back. It's really hard to tell. What, it, what is definitely you know, a fact is that he's definitely got that potential. So with the right coach, 
or given a bit more time and, and confidence, he could go back to the level and he really makes a difference for a team like Lazio. You certainly hope so, especially after losing Kandreva, who we'll get to. performed quite well until they lost many of their main attackers. So again, if you're a Lazio fan, you're you're holding on to it. You're hoping that you're going to have a good season. There's not much more else to say about Lazio or Juve in that fact, considering Juve are just being the machine that they constantly are churning out these wins. While Lazio, it's a bit of a mixed bag with them. Whilst the other side of Rome, they were unable to keep the pressure on Juve. While one side of Rome lost, the other side were unable to keep the pressure on. And of course, that is Roma. They were ahead and they drew 2-1 against Cagliari. They must be they must be playing some game between Inter with who can distance themselves the furthest from Juve as the Nerezzurri drew 1-0 with Palermo, despite the plethora of chances that they had, Nick. So, in fact, what would you say astounded you the most? The fact that Inter couldn't win again? Or that Roma, they sort of messed it all up and lost to a goal effectively scored by Borriello? Well, can I just firstly say that in the competition for who can be the furthest away from Juventus, Inter is winning that one, so that's a one win for the season. But let's go with uh, Roma. It's a similar kind of story to last season for me. They they show that kind of spark in attack. You know, they can obviously trouble most defences, but they they lapse as a team. I mean, we saw that quite clearly in, in Europe last week. So um, their defence has their issues, so... It's it's that kind of mixed bag with them which continues. So it's not too different to last season, but I don't think they'll have the ability to kind of go on that run that they did. Yeah, not too many positive signs for them. Which would be more shame now to be the Inter fan that you are, or a, a Gelarossi fan. Look, I don't know. Maybe I might be biased, but you know, I try to be a positive person, look at the positives. So you know, we we Inter created the chances. We came out as a different different team with a bit of a personality our passes were crisp and we're creating so it, it was the finishing that obviously lacked um Dubois said we could have won that 4-1 which is true to an extent um you know we really needed to finish inside the box we had so many opportunities inside the box I think um in total over the two weeks Inter's had 30 35 shots for one goal and 21 of those shots have actually come from inside the penalty area. Well, no one else has had more inside the, the area than Inter. So it's not that we're not getting into the area. There, there are signs there that we are possibly getting there, but this, the same issue still remains. And I don't know how many times I need to mention, but there's the defence, and which clearly um, has those lapses and can let in any team, basically, on the counter, whatever it might be. So defence remains an issue, but... Hey, we bought two more attackers, so there you go. Well, of course, Inter, before moving on to Roma, Inter have got Gabriel and Jean-Mario, of course. Really, Nick, you were speaking last week about, you love the attacking additions, but is it needed when you want to concentrate on defence? Is this going to save your season? And in fact, we mentioned earlier that Jovetic is going out and you have a new number 10 in Gabriel, Gabigol. Is this sort of a risk you want to be taking? Do you want to be spending... It's almost rumoured 40 million even more for Jamario. Do you want to be spending that on an attacker or on a defender? I probably went on a bit of a rant last week, but and since we've spent you know upwards of 70 mil or whatnot um, in our attack, so look, and don't get me wrong, Gabriel is Gabriel Gabriel is a, a really exciting signing. I mean, he could be a really a real player for the future. So in terms of an investment, you know, that could be a, a great signing. I think it's exciting. It's really exciting to have him. He could, you know, he could really go places. But 
it's still that same aspect as how how can we fit all these players into one into one team of eleven for one thing because I'm struggling when we've just signed in winter we signed Didier obviously who's kind of been mixed he hasn't really performed so I'm just struggling to see how we keep signing these players but how are we going to fit them all into one team and the one thing that remains irrelevant who who starts up front is that we are playing with a Santon or a Nagatomo or last week unfortunately with the likes of Renokia in defence and yet there's no big spending in the defence so you know I, I don't want to be one of those guys that's like all you know signings or anything like that they're exciting signings but are they smart signings for Inter no not at all take solace in the fact that you're not conceding to Marco Borriello who's he somehow had a revolution this season and in fact here's a quick fact to you five goals in his last four games against Roma that that's got to show you something against your ex-employers hasn't it at least your defense hasn't come to that level quite yet it's it's a small I'll take small solace in that but not much else but at least with a defender like the Marlin you'd expect to keep these goals out. As much as a classic striker that Body Yellow might be in, an unpredictive one of that. The def- I mean, when you look at their defence on paper, you've got Vermaelen next to Manolis, who was one of their best last season. You know, that's not a bad central central uh, defence there. So um, I, it, it, it almost seems to be a whole a team lapse for Roma. I don't, I don't I don't know how best to describe it, but it doesn't seem to be necessarily one player all the time. It's, you know, unless we're talking about last season with Rudiger, but on paper it's not that bad, but there's still those lapses that they seem to have. So there are some questions there. Um, They definitely need to be scoring goals in open play, so it's kind of yet to be seen how they're going to go with that aspect. They're definitely creating the opportunities. Um, I mentioned last week Mohamed Salah has been involved in a lot of that as much as you guys might um, hate to watch. But, yeah, the the penalties, are, it's it's a lot for two weeks. So we'll see how that continues. Right, cool. uh, the, uh, I think it's time to end the podcast. So, of course, we had some games that we didn't, of course, mention. We did have Sassuolo against Pescara, and in which that game, Domenico Berardi scored again. Seems to just not be able to stop... Certainly, let's hope he doesn't get another suspension, a silly kick out like he did in the past few seasons. Sampdoria won 2 1 against Atalanta. Muriel and Cagliarea both performing very well in that game, but of course, Francesi scored again ever since his debut. Three goals in two games. Just simply amazing. Let's hope he can spur Ladea forward. Udinese won 2 0 against Empoli. And uh, even signing for Udinese, they can even boost their further efforts to try and improve upon last season is Sven Kums, Belgian midfielder. No uh, no childish jokes there, guys, are you sure? If they bought Kums, don't forget Fiorentina bought Dick. Well, uh, Vieri, you've only got to wait until the 21st of September, right after the international break, until you see some Dicks and Kums hand in hand. Hand in hand. Because <laughs> you've got on the 11th of September, you've got Genoa Fiorentina, so you're going to be overjoyed. You're going to be some Pavoletti in action. What a shame he can't join us so soon. Well, you can't have everything. I'm going to hold on to Kalinic for now. Indeed, you can't have everything. Just like Nick can't act like a proper adult on Twitter and tweet proper tweets. And that is, in fact, all the games covered. Don't forget to go down to ForzaItalianFootball.com to find all the latest features and news. You can read about why Jose Sosa can be a hit with the Rossoneri, especially after his recent one to go on the 4-2 loss against Napoli. 
Read up Serie's winners and losers. This week it's all about Milik, who impressed, whilst Roma and AC Milan just seem to self-destruct. There's also the breaking news that Sassuolo were handed a loss by the FIGC following their 2-1 scoreline against Pescara that we mentioned beforehand. They did in fact field an illegible player. It means Pescara were handed a 3-0 win and Domenico Berardi's goal counts for little, unfortunately. Not a good day if you are a Nero Verdi fan. Now with all that said and done, it's time to look at our weekly feature of fantasy football. So Vieri, why don't you give us your three picks for this week first? Well, I've got uh, Bruno Alves in defence. I think he's been rock solid at the back for Cagliari. Uh, then Miralem Pjanic, I'd pick in the middle uh, because he hasn't played a minute yet in Serie A for Juventus. So uh, he'll be on top form if he has to play the next game, and I think he will play. And then up front, obviously, Belotti. Um, as I mentioned earlier, he'll score a lot of goals this season for Torino. The team works hard for him. Um, I'd always pick him. Dangerous selection there from Vieri. And Nicholas, kind sir, what would yours be? I definitely think Andrea Belotti is going to continue his goal-scoring streak away to Atalanta. Their defence hasn't been the best, so... I think he'll be in amongst the goals. Um, I'm going to have to stick with one of Inter's men in Ivan Perisic. I think he was looking the most likely to create on the weekend against Palermo. So I think away to Pescara, he could be in amongst it. And then in defence, I'll put in uh, Chiellini. He's always a threat on dead ball situations. So there you go. And as ever, my picks. Why don't I take a browse in my own fancy football team? You can have Milik up front. Napoli are playing Palermo when Serie A kicks off again and on the current form that he's on he could be quite dangerous I know Roger Nangelin in midfield once more and Francesco Acerbi in defence there was some wildcard transfers hashtag Negatomo hashtag Senton and what better in though to leave the podcast on about talking about everyone's favourite Japanese fullback so guys it's been an excellent week lots of fun we can't wait until Serie A gets back together Till then, it's thanks from everyone here, me, Nick and Vieri, and see you next time. You have been listening to the Italian Football Fancast. time. <laughs> I think it's not just me. <laughs> I think
was weird. Do that again. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.